So we're going to read the story of Abraham. I'm going to do my best. And um, these stories matter. These, these stories matter. They, they've, been, they've been getting shelved a bit. Um, two generations ago, everybody knew these stories front and back. Um, my dad's generation, mm, hit and miss. My generation, no clue. The next generation, who's Abraham? That's just the way it is, okay? So, and there's some reasons because, um, because we've, I don't think we've always handled them carefully. And so, because we haven't handled them carefully, they've become unbelievable to a generation. And then because they've become unbelievable, they've gotten put on a shelf. The shelf called uh, ridiculous, unuseful, unhelpful, and irrelevant. Um, because they sat on a shelf here for a lot of well-meaning Christians called confused. I don't know. I don't understand these. And so less and less will I take them out. Less and less will I share them with my children. Less and less do children know these stories. So I'm going to put them on a new shelf over here called Invaluable Treasures. Invaluable Treasures with Incredibly Rich Meaning. A shelf that you go to over and over and over again. We finally hear, if you've been traveling with us and Abraham for the past several weeks, Isaac is finally going to be born. All right? You ready? Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, at the very time. Isn't that really, isn't that the key? At the time God promised. Where, do most, where does most of our frustration and angst come in life? We're on our time versus what? God's time, all right? By the way, who forgot to change your clock? There you go. And you still made it, all right? You're going to see a couple of them walk in here in a minute, right? You get on the wrong clock. You get on the wrong clock. I, get, I, I, I have a relatively new vehicle, which is, you know, good. You know, it only happens a few times in my life, so it's kind of exciting for me. But um, this vehicle knew to change the time for no other reason. Everyone should buy this car. My mom had this Mazda that we drove forever, and, you know, she drove, and we drove. It got passed around, I think, in the family, and, and you know, every time I was in Florida, I would drive it, and, and no one knew how to change the clock. <laughs> Does anybody ever have one of these cars where no one knew how to change the clock to get it on or off daylight savings time, and so you just had to know, wait a minute, is this, is this, the, is this the half of the year when it's right, or is this the half of the year when it's wrong? Here's what happens. A lot of us have never adjusted our clocks to God's timetable. This is in the time of God. When, when do things happen? In your time? What a, what a frustrating way to set up your life. To start to tell God your timetable. Here's God how I would like and the time in which I would like for it to happen. Now, Charlie does that. 
Right. I'm very aware of her timetable, and they usually go around the word now, <laughs> which is funny because that's usually what? That's usually what we're thinking when we're praying. God, how about now would be good? Now. So in the time, I, it's been a long time. If you've been following us in the series, it's been a long time. It's promised, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And finally, at the very time, at the time, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son that Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Circumcision, we talked about that a little bit before. But, but Abram, Abraham now, circum, I had a hard time changing myself from saying Abraham to Abraham, and then I finally said, anyway, never mind. His name was Abram, and now it's Abraham, finally. And finally, he has a son, and he circumcises him. Now, this is something... Um, Interesting. I, I heard a guy talking about this the other day. And it was very interesting because he, he was talking about, he made a decision not to raise his kids in church because he thought it should be their decision. And then when he was older, he realized that, he, in his opinion, that was a mistake. He said, because I, what I realized is I make all kinds of decisions for my kids because they're kids. And then when they get older, I let them make their own decisions. But when they're kids, you make, who makes decisions for your kids? Who made a thousand, a million decisions for them? This is what you're going to eat today. This is what you're going to, well, I, half and half on the, here's what you're going to wear. <laughs> Charlie had this very cute outfit that her grandma bought her today. And I was, took pictures of it to show grandma that she loved it and everything. But then she wanted to wear Minnie Mouse flip-flops with it. And I lost. So... But you make decisions for them. So circumcision is a decision. He's, it's made for him. By the way, I think circumcision is an interesting, um, ancient sign that you believe. So the church and organizations and tribes, they always have what's your sign, what's your code. Have you baptized? Did you... Did you go through the initiation rites? They all have different ones. And this was, this was the original one for the, the Jewish people. Circumcision. A painful one. Hmm? No? A memorable one. Just a little honesty here. Painful and memorable. Do you know one of the problems in my humble opinion of modern-day Christianity, it's way too easy. All you need is 69 cents to get a plastic fish and to put on your car. You're in. You're a believer. You're in the family. No, there was no easy sign-up back in Abraham's day. The problem is when you understand, when you understand the, the value, when you, when you sacrifice, when you do something, and it's too easy 
you don't recognize what you have. Think of the pain. Think of the tears. Think of the blood. This was not a simple sign-up. You didn't get an app. This was pain. And not that you ever wish pain on anybody, but what I've learned over the years, I've been studying these coming-of-age ceremonies for young men, and over and over I keep getting fascinated by it. But if you joined this tribe or you became a part of this group, this is ancient practice, and it's worldwide, by the way. Practices that were different but similar in the South Pacific as they were in the Mayan tribes and as they were in the native plains of America. You had to do something to become a man. So here's what's interesting. They didn't Google what's a cool initiation ceremony if you're a Navajo and find out, well, here's what they're doing in the South Pacific. This is interesting. They all independently realized and recognized something significant needed to happen. A a rite of passage needed to happen. So they knew it's time to stop acting like a child and it's time to start acting like a man. It's time to put away childish things behind me and now I need to act in a different way. They, They all independently came to this. Isn't that something? And they all involved, truthfully, some level of pain. And I think there's a reason why. It goes to the thing we started with. Pain is a part of life. So as we're going to read, as we're going to read, Isaac means laughter. Isaac was eight days old, and he was circumcised, and that was painful. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born to him. Now, this, as we've been saying, Paul teaches us about the allegorical understanding of this story. And certainly one of the things that's probably being said here is, this is not your doing at a hundred. It's, it's, it's marking out clearly that, Abraham, you didn't do this. This is something that God did for you. Big distinction. Here's what I did for myself. Here's what God did for me. If you had to make a list in your life, here are the things I've done for myself, and here are the things God's done for me. Wouldn't that be a tricky list? Now, in reality, day-to-day, how we actually live our life, most of the stuff would be on the list, here's the stuff I've done. Resume me. I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. But if I started to think about it, because it's hard to say, it's not like usually God doesn't just drop things in our garage and have them gift wrap and say, have a great weekend, God. You have to see through it. You have to discern it. You have to filter the layers and start to realize, boy, if, man, if that door wouldn't have opened, if God, boy. And then all of a sudden, you start to see these little, what it is, is it's your resume, but there's these little asterisks next, asterisks next to each thing. 
and God opened that door and God provided this and God moved me here and God did this. And then you start to realize that God's a lot more responsible than you originally thought or were willing to recognize. He's a hundred. This is clearly saying what's about to give birth wasn't given birth by Abraham. This was, this was a birth from God. And so Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. Everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Do you remember just a chapter or so earlier, she was laughing about herself and at herself, and now it's changed. The laughter is celebration, joy. This, is, this journey, Abraham's life, is your journey and my journey. And it's the journey towards happiness. Everybody look here. This is an important part, happiness. Happiness is one of the most important things in your life. In some ways, I'm going to tell you this, in some ways, it is the most important thing in your life. Um, in, in John 15, Jesus is saying this, um, I'm telling you these things so that my joy would be in you and your joy will be full. My joy would be in you and your joy would be full or complete. He wants you to have, in his words, his joy inside of you. And then the verse before and the verse after talk about love one another. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. So look here. What's the whole thing about? What's, what's Jesus about? What's God about? What's the Christian faith about, supposed to be about? Well, we'd say it's loving one another. That's the bottom line. It's, it's about loving one another. If everybody in this world act in love every single day, it's game, set, match. Your taxes will go down by 30%. You wouldn't need to police anyone. There would be no police. You wouldn't need it. Lawyers, goodbye. Judges. Because there's this constant love. Oh, what are you going to get a ticket for? Overloving somebody? Please. Please, with the pound cakes, ma'am. That's enough. All right? This is important. Love would solve absolutely everything. I'm oversimplifying, but that's what Jesus did because you need a good target to start with. We need a great target to start with, which is love, which is we're always acting in love. Now, I don't always act in love, all right? So I'll put myself out there first. Every once in a while, you don't either. The connection between happiness and love is key. That is to say, aren't happy people usually loving people? And what if more people on this earth were happy? So, of course, that's like a shallow goal. We need some deep theology. We need to get more people baptized. Okay baptize them. But look, we need them happy. We need more people going to church. Okay, fine. But we need them what? No, don't quit on me. Happy. We need them happy. 
We don't need them going to church, putting a plastic fish on their car, and then running people over in the parking lot. We need them happy, happy. Everybody say happy. One, two, three. Happy. Why? Because if you're happy, it's easy to love. If you're an unhappy person, mm, that my joy would be in you. You see Abraham's journey? The goal is to get to Isaac. His name means laughter. I'm going to name him Laughter. He brought laughter. Do you know what the goal of spirituality is? You're not going to believe me. Happiness. But my pastor told me the goal was to get baptized. That just gets you wet. (laughs) And some people it's very unhappy. Now, if you have a change of heart... Look, if you have a change of heart, please do get baptized. Hear me? Please do. Because outward things can have a beautiful symbolism and they can tie into what's going on the inside. I am not against it. But I'm against it if you don't change the heart. And what you need is to be happy. And happiness, happiness makes you loving. They're connected. I think it says in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit is Love, and the second word is joy. And then peace, which doesn't hurt anybody. There's a reason why the Abraham story starts to culminate with laughter, giving birth. This is the whole idea. Ready? When you grow, when you mature spiritually, you get to the point where you can give birth to happiness. Let me say one more thing. Just take this for what it's worth. Um, Abraham's old, and this is a God thing for a reason. A lot of times in the first part of life, our pursuits are often too, I don't, I don't mean this disparagingly like if you're young. If you're young, just hang in there. Honestly, but your pursuits are often so small and self-centered, and you can put God on any of them or whatever, but the reality is you have to get past yourself. Abraham is past himself. That's the message of a hundred. He's past himself. Have you ever said to somebody, get over yourself? Please. Has anyone ever said it to you? Just get over yourself. This is Abraham getting over him. This is not about him. He can't walk around and go, This is, wait a minute. I, I found happiness in a place I never expected. I never could have imagined. I want to talk to you about happiness for like two or three minutes. First, happiness is not a destination. It's a decision. This is the most important. I'm gonna, this is one of the most important things you will ever learn in your life. It's a decision. Chris, but I lost my job. Chris, but my kids are fighting. Chris, but I just went through a divorce. I just lost my spouse. And look here carefully. Those things are going to continue to happen the rest of your life. At least I told you the truth. At least I told you the truth. 
Happiness is finding the thread between being overly hyped, which is being told everything's going to be grand and unbelievable, and everybody's always going to... Do you remember, what was a Jim Carrey movie when he turns into God's powers and he just makes all the cars get out of the way? I mean, that's what most of us think, you know. Everybody's just going to get out of my way. And I got news for you. They're not going to. Unless you can make it to President of the United States, and that's only good for eight years if you're lucky, people are not going to get out of your way. That's just not how life works. People are going to be in your way the rest of your life. Look here. You're stuck in traffic the rest of your life. It's just life. So stop. Ready? Complaining. Do yourself a solid favor. Now, I made this. Some of you who watch our Wednesday nights, we do like a from the heart thing. I made my Lent season. I'm not a good Catholic, so I always get the words mixed up here. What what am I doing? I'm giving up something for Lent, right? I gave up complaining. Not very well, but I'm trying. I did. I said, I'm going to, from now until Easter, I'm going to not complain. Boy, is that hard to do. And boy, is it great to do. Boy, is it great. I've literally caught myself complaining, and I go, stop it. Just stop it. Stop complaining. There's nothing to complain about. You know what? When I, my other self talked to me, I was like, you're right. Does anybody talk to themselves too? <laughs> Try not to do it in public out loud. But anyway, but stop it. And I, I, I would literally, I would catch myself complaining and I would go, stop it. Just stop. That's ridiculous. And I, you're right. That is ridiculous. Happiness is not a destination. It's a decision. Because what you do is then you say, well, but this happened. But, but that, ready? Look here. I'm going to ask everybody here a question. In the, here and here. Do you want to be happy? It's not a trick question. You probably want to say yes. You want to be happy. So if the answer is yes, then be happy. Now immediately you just did a yeah, but. Well, but I got to get this out of the way. And here's what I, all I'm trying to tell you is, sure, wait until you get that out of the way. Because there's seven other things lining up that as soon as you get that out of the way, what's going to happen? Does anybody ever have something go wrong with your house? It's not supposed to go wrong. Does anybody have something go wrong with your car? It's not supposed to go wrong. And your job and your kids and your, well, that's weird. You're the only person. Or it's just What? It's just life. So you, you get to make a decision. And, and, and listen, the, you say, Chris, why are you talking about this? Because we're supposed to be talking about something deep. Listen, this is the deepest truth you will ever, ever get in your life. You just make a decision to be happy. And then you deal with life. You make a decision to be happy, and then you deal with life. What people do is they put it the other way around. I'm going to deal with all the stuff so that one day... One day, you're going to see a smile on my face. And we all know it ain't coming. We've been around you. It ain't coming. You know what I mean? You know Grandpa Grouchy. You know who he is. You know what I mean? 
It's like, you know, he ain't going to smile no matter what. Because once he gets to Disney World, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a reason why, you know, there's always going to be a reason why. So just the opposite. Just say, there's going to be a reason I'm happy. Why? Because that's what I've decided. It's a fruit of what? It's a fruit of getting a good job. It's a fruit of getting your way. It's a fruit of your email always working correctly. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the love and joy. Abraham's journey is not physical. These geographic, if you study the Bible, like really study it, the geographies are not supposed to represent places. They're supposed to represent places in your mind and your heart. True. His journey is to find, it's an inward journey to find happiness. And he has to come to the end of himself, hundred. He's come to the end of himself where he realizes, this, it's got to be bigger than me and what I can produce. Now, let's be honest. We've all tried to produce happiness for ourselves, Right? We've all done that. And it's a dead-end street. So what you have to do is you come to the end of it, and then you receive happiness. You receive it. Just as Abraham received Isaac. This morning, we got Charlie up, and, uh, and we were walking her down, and it's normally my job to get her out of bed uh, and in, in our daily life routine. But this morning, Vicky was there. She got her up, and then I came up late. And, and uh, she doesn't just get up. She has to, she's grouchy. Normally, I'd say 75% of the time she's grouchy. It takes a minute. Does anybody else wake up a little grouchy? Because I just feed her coffee. And she, no, I don't. Um, give her a minute, right? And then she has to get stuff. I don't know. I had to get out of the grouchy. I need some stuff. I need my elephant blanket. And then it's just random stuff that she sees while we're getting out of the crib to, to life to make her happy. So we're walking out today, and she's, you, you just, I just try to get her out of the room as quickly as possible because the, the longer you delay, the more stuff you got to carry with you. <laughs> Honestly, I've had five blankets, teddy bears, you know, you know, toys, socks, shoes, whatever she sees. This morning it was my purple comb. We were seven paces past the dresser and she saw it out of the corner of my purple comb. So I got to go back and get it. Here's, this is what she needs to be happy. And this is how a lot of us are living our life. I mean, I come downstairs like this. I swear, I think I'm going to drop her sometimes. I'm, but she's insisting, I need all of this. I need all of this to be happy. And this is what we're doing to ourselves. The other day, and every once in a while it happens, it should happen more, but I was doing dishes. And, you know, there's two ways to do dishes. Angry and happy. <laughs> Think about it. There's two ways to do dishes. And the angriest thing about what a mess this is, people are pigs, what is wrong with human beings, couldn't they have scraped it a little more off of their plate, you know, 
that's one way to do dishes. I won't ask for a raise of hands who does them that way or has in the past. But there's another way to do dishes, which is, this is beautiful. I think a lot of times we miss the great way to do dishes. Because guess what? That's a part of life too. I mean, unless you're really wealthy, that's a part of life too. And it struck me, I had this weird moment where it sort of struck me, oh my goodness, I'm out of time. It struck me that I can, I can only be happy in this moment. That if I was the wealthiest person on the planet and I had a private jet and my, my own yacht, I mean, I guess at that point I could hand my dishes to somebody else. But basically at some point, you've got to put water on things. Even if it's to wash your own hair. In other words, to try to isolate happiness from the moment that I'm experiencing right here is crazy. This is happiness. Dishes. You know, you get cruddy food and it like hangs over in the side of the sink. What do you, how many people touch it? How many people don't touch it? You know, how many, get a spoon, scoop it in. Chris, why you, because, because if you can get happy doing the dishes, then you can find it, I think. There was a guy who wrote some incredible stuff that got missed by a lot of people, and it, and it was called Practicing the Presence of God, by Brother Lawrence, and guess what he did? Dishes. That was his job. He was a dishwasher. And he learned to find, and I'll say to feel, to access the presence of God doing dishes. He wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And that's where there's peace. That's where there's happiness. Not when you get a purple comb. For us, it's just a much more expensive one. The key for faith is this, to thread the needle between hype and despair. Despair is no good either. This is reality. Reality is in the middle. And in reality, there's faith and hope. And that's where you find happiness. If you buy into this, you're going to fall. At, Proverbs talks about it's like a cloud without rain. You know, here it comes. There it goes. You got all this expectation, it doesn't deliver. Despair is no good. Hope. It's going to work out. Things are going to be okay. I'll trust that God will take care of this in his timing. I'm happy today. So I'll close with a quote from the trolls. Since besides reading the Bible, that's all I do is watch trolls. And if you don't know the story, I mean, the trolls are the happiest people on earth, right? They're happy. They sing and they dance and they hug all day long. 
And they sing and dance and hug and dance and sing and hug. And the Bergens want to be as happy as the trolls, but they're not. Because they're Bergens. And the Bergens think the only way they can be happy is to eat the trolls. And so one day they realize that happiness is inside all of us. You just need help finding it. You don't need to eat anybody. You know? You don't need a purple comb. You don't need a new job. You don't need to never do dishes. You just need to access. You know? Access. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And what if the whole world was happy? The whole world. We're done. We're done here. Happy. That should be the goal. And find your happiness and live it. That's what it means to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And happiness is infectious. Let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to help us get unstuck because some of us are stuck in being unhappy and we just have to let that go. Tying it to anything, tying happiness to anything at all will get you stuck. To get unstuck, you have to tie it to your decision, to a state of your mind. It's a fruit of the Spirit, that God's Spirit's in you. It's in you. You just need some help finding.